0: Together, turn to page 118. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Page 118, we'll sing all four verses this morning. Joy to the world. together this morning so thankful each one of you are here with us today page 118 if you lost that page number he rules the world aren't you thankful he still rules the world today man he's in control of it all let's sing it out on the last verse he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and one has and wonders up
1: his love.
0: Amen. For the Tim come
2: right Men come for the offering. I'd like to read one simple verse to you today from Acts 20, verse 35. He says, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Brother Kennedy, would you pray for the offering this morning?
0: So Let's stand one last time, please. Turn to page 693. <clears throat> page 693. Jesus came as a baby. He was sacrificed on a cross for our sin, but now he lives in heaven. Amen. And one of these days, if you know him as your Savior, you're going to be with him. Let's sing it out together. What a day that will be. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come. No more clouds. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be, what a day that will be when my children. What a day, glorious day, that will be. There'll be no sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no pain, no more parting over there. And forever I will be with the one if you're excited about that day, say Amen this morning. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning.
2: Well, it is good to have uh, Brother Kent uh, Hogan here with us, and and uh, Miss Kathy. I I was I, I, one of our men was walking out of the choir and said, I don't I don't see any scuba gear this morning, and I went Glory Hallelujah. And because uh, the last time he was here, he had me decked out in full on scuba gear. And then I turned around and I saw this tote sitting under the pew up here and I got nervous. And so when Brother Hogan came up, I said, that ain't your tote of scuba gear right there. He goes, no, I don't know what that, and I was like, okay, okay, okay. So anyways, so hopefully it's not anything else he's got in mind, amen. Uh, but I do appreciate uh, him, his faithfulness, his friendship, and uh, I, I know that we wanted to have the Hogans here today to be a blessing to them as the Lord's kind of transitioning them and Closing doors, and we're certainly praying as the Lord closes, he opens doors, amen. Uh, But I know he's going to be a blessing uh, to us. And Brother Frank Wood was here for our Thanksgiving banquet. Uh, I was sitting there talking, and for those that don't know, Brother uh, Hogan served under Brother Wood on staff there. And uh, Brother Wood just said something about Brother Hogan singing, and it dawned on me. That's right. He did sing uh, quite a bit. So we asked him if he would sing uh, this morning. And so he's going to sing, and then right after that, come and preach. And uh, I know it will be a blessing.
1: Uh, to him, so.
3: The only way that I love you is if I know that you love me too that's how shallow our love becomes but calvary's love reached everyone love went deeper than the crown of thorns that they placed upon his head love went deeper the stripes he bore when the blood ran crimson red love went deeper than the hole they dug when they dropped that old cross in place love went deeper than the depths of hell deep enough to take my place. No greater wrong could man have done than to take the life of God's own Son. No greater love hath any man than to give his love for that they placed upon his head love went deeper than the stripes he bore when the blood ran crimson red love went deeper than the hole they dug when they dropped that old cross in place love went deeper than the depths of hell deep enough to take my
4: Okay, I believe it. Don't start acting like a bunch of atheists now, right? Now's not a good time to do that. Well, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for having us back. It's just, uh, this is one of our favorite places to come and has been uh, since we were invited here. I think we were in deputation when we came up and uh, shared our ministry with, uh, with, with you all. And isn't it amazing how uh, quickly things can turn, things can turn. So we actually got to live there. We moved over there in June of 2022. We were there for three months and made a lot of friends. Didn't learn the language. lo that basically says, I don't know how to speak Hebrew. And so uh, what I would tell folks is, and there were some boards that you would learn, you know, todah, todah rabah, that's, you know, thank you very much. Bebekah Shah, you know, you're welcome. And so there were things that, uh, that we picked up on, words that we actually got to pick up on, but one of them that we didn't really have to learn was, huh? <laughs> so, because every time somebody would ask me a question in Hebrew, huh? And I don't know how to speak uh, Hebrew, but so I knew how to speak English, and and so it's kind of interesting. You, you knew people who knew English but didn't want you to know they learned English. And then when you would say something and they would make a comment, and then they were caught and then they knew they were caught. And so very, very, uh, very, very blessed to be there, that God was able to use us for the three months we were there. Made a lot of contacts and uh, we have a, you know, we made a lot of friends uh, there. We have their personal phone numbers. And so it's just amazing what, you know, God has allowed us to do in the three short months we were there. And then Hamas decided to pull the plug. So we were, uh, we'd been fighting for a year to get back. We had an appointment on October the 10th at the Israeli consulate in Houston. And uh, I'll, I'll try to explain this to you, even though I don't really understand. And so it was always a paperwork issue. When we were, when we were deported in November of 2022, 20, uh, uh, it was a paperwork issue. And we flew there in November. We were in the airport for seven hours. Uh, we were detained. They kept our passport. Seven hours later, they put us on an airplane back to the States. We got back to Chicago, and our attorney called and said, you know, that guy that deported you didn't have the authority to deport you. And I said, that's funny. We're here in Chicago, so he must have. And it's just one of those uh, things. But we've had uh, had a, you know a lot of good friends, and made a lot of good friends, and so it's a paperwork issue, worked for a year to get that. We had one more uh, set of paperwork to get done, that was to get a power of attorney notarized at the Israeli consulate for our attorney to do work for us while we were here. So we had a power of attorney signed for our attorney to do work for us while we were there. So we didn't have power of attorney for them to work for us while we were here. And if that doesn't make sense to you, don't worry, it doesn't make sense to me either. And so we had that appointment scheduled for the 10th. Well, you know what happened on the 7th. Hamas decided to invade the land of Israel. Uh, two of our very dear friends were, uh, were captured, were tortured and murdered. And so if you'd be in prayer for Avi's family and uh, for Elon's family as well. And so they were good good friends of ours, uh, met them on several, several occasions, but our good friend Ofer uh, and his wife made it out, and so they're actually down in Elot, the city that we were living in, and so we still have, or still had an apartment full of stuff. Now they box, supposedly they box everything up and put it in uh, storage for us, so we're still fighting to get our visa back so we can at least go back and get our things, but uh, meeting with my pastor in two weeks after the war broke out, we just came to the conclusion that God has shut the door. And so we just started praying what the Lord would, would have us to do. And I don't know whether you're like this. I mean, I'm looking out and I'm seeing very spiritual people, so I know you would never do this. But you know when God doesn't answer our prayers in a timely manner, uh, we tend to give him ideas. And so I gave him some ideas what we would like to do, but his ways are not our ways. Right, right. And so we thought we'd just go into evangelism. We bought that motorhome, spent every dime we had on that, getting that thing roadworthy. And uh, we had, uh, we've got uh, a couple of other weeks. We've got this next week, Sunday, the 17th and then 24th. And then the Lord just closed up our calendar. And so we were able to, uh, we actually uh, candidated for a church last Sunday down in Hevener, Oklahoma. And so a church of about 30, 35, they used to run about 100, and the pastor for the last 12 years just decided on a Wednesday that he'd had enough. He wasn't gonna pastor anymore, offered his uh, resignation. There wasn't any issues with him. They still have a good fellowship with him, but he just went in on Wednesday and resigned and left. And so the church was kind of stunned after that. But uh, good people, I mean, doesn't have a whole lot of issues and they've bought property. They have about $100,000 in the bank to build a building with and they're just waiting for somebody to get there that's got a little bit of more enthusiasm. And they, the church asked me, well, are you going to do stuff with us? And I said, oh, just hang on <laughs> because it's probably going to get to the point where you're going to say, stop. Will you just slow down a little bit? But I don't want to slow down. I don't want to slow down. I want to continue doing what the Lord wants us to do. And I'm just excited. 65 years of age, God, God will still use me. And some preachers, some of our supporting churches would call Brother Cameron and say, "Don't you think he's a little bit too old for this?" Well, uh, here's the deal. When I learned to become a scuba instructor, and your pastor thanks me very. No, that's not my tubs up here. My stuff wouldn't fit in that tub. But, uh, but he he had some pastors call him and say, "Well, isn't he kind of too old to be doing this?" And When I studied to become an instructor, I had to swim uh, freestyle 400 meters. That's a quarter of a mile. And then I had to put my fins, mask and snorkel on to swim another 800 meters, which is half a mile. And I would ask these preachers, can you do that? Oh no, I'm sorry, you you can't even get on your chair and roll 50 feet across your office to get a cup of coffee and then come back without sucking a bunch of air. So if you can't swim that like I did twice, then you just need to be quiet and just go on about your... (laughs) You just, need to con- you just need to continue drinking your cheerleader coffee, and I'll just... All right, 2 Peter chapter 3. I want you to hold your place there, and then uh, I, I want you to go to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13. Uh, in my Bible, my preaching Bible is still in Elot because when we left in September, I thought we were gonna go back in a couple of months, which we tried to do. And so I'm still using my old Bible that I preached from for years. And and uh, when I would have uh, Brother Sam or some guys like that come into our church and preach, I'd always mark in my Bible the passage of scripture that they preached from, not necessarily the message, but the passage of scripture that they uh, preached from. And it was on an occasion, I believe it was May of 2003, where Brother Sam used this text in Exodus chapter 13. And of course, when you read it, uh, you know, God allows me to read my Bible through three times a year, which everybody in this room can read their Bible through at least once a year. And if you don't have time for that, you're more busy than what God intended you to be. You have time to read your Bible. If you have time to be on Facebook for an hour and put your pictures of your dog and your cat and everything that you've had to eat for Thanksgiving, you can surely spend some time reading your Bible. And all God's people say. So this is a text that Sam uh, Davidson preached back in 2003. And, you know, reading over it again, you just get to that point, that passage of Scripture, just so many things, you know, resonate with today and things like that. And then, you know, reading across this again, God just uh, implied upon my heart to take a message, not the one that Brother Sam preached, but just use this. So here's kind of what I want to Start off by saying, you you ever hear this question? And this question is, why don't you ever listen to me? And my wife Kathy will do that from time to time, and I'll think, man, that's a weird way to start a conversation. (laughs) You never listen. Well, I, I think sometimes there is a reason, and that reason might be because we think we've got it all figured out. So we don't need to hear anything. And why do we need to listen when we've got life figured out? Young people have this. They don't want to listen because they've already got it all figured out. They're 15, 16 years old. They've got life all figured out. So they don't need somebody that's in their 50s and 60s trying to encourage them to do what God wants them to do. No, I've got everything. I've got everything figured out. And we've got everything figured out. And once we get to that point in our life, we've got things figured out, we land in our comfort zone. And our comfort zone... God will take you out of your comfort zone if you're not careful. And he'll do this, but he always does it for a reason. And the children of Israel learned this many, many times during their life's journey. And and, and there were times that they did not listen to God and got burned. You can read historical aspects time and time and time in God's word where the children of Israel did not listen to God, they got burned. But then there were times that they they did listen to God and did what God told them to do, even though it didn't make sense at the time, God blessed them. And then they look back on that and say, boy, I'm glad I listened to God, even though I didn't have it figured out, even though it didn't make sense to me at that particular time, and God had to get me out of my comfort zone that God blessed. So listening to God, even when things don't, don't seem to be right, that will always work in your favor if you just listen, if you just do what God wants you to do. And when we don't listen to God, we're very apt to make wrong decisions. You know, you, you are not a product of your circumstances, you're a product of your choices. And when we make wrong choices, uh, God is never gonna lead us to make a wrong decision. He's just not gonna do that. He wants us to be successful, he wants us uh, to honor and glorify him in everything we do. And we should do that whether we're on the top of the mountain or in the valley. We should always glorify God. So uh, case in point, if you, if you have your Bibles there to Exodus chapter 13, if you're able to, stand with me. So there's been a lot that's taken place with the children of Israel. I want to start down to verse number 17. And the Bible says this, And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near." For God said, Lest peradventure the people repent when they see war, and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones away hence with you. And they took their journey from Succoth and encamped and eat them in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of the cloud to lead them the way. And by night a pillar of fire to give them light uh, to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day or the pillar of the fire by night from before the people. I want to preach you a little while on this thought that my ways are not always God's ways. And if I could put a subtitle on this message, it would be just listen to God when he speaks. And if we listen to God when he speaks, we wouldn't make the same mistake over and over and over again. Father, we thank you for the day and just the opportunity that you've given us to be here. We thank you for this church and the pastor and Miss Natalie and and the the family. We just uh, uh, thank you for everything that you've done in them and through them here in this church. We just thank you, Lord, for who you are and for what you've done. Lord, what a wonderful Sunday school lesson that we heard this morning, If the folks that are here now that were not here in Sunday school, boy, they sure missed it. So, Lord, we just thank you for that. And then we pray that you take this message and apply it to hearts, that the only way that, that you can do, and I pray if there's anyone that has never trusted Jesus Christ, today would be the day that they would listen to you and they would invite you in the heart. And then for God's people who think they've got it all figured out and they're just set in their ways, that maybe we need to break away from that and listen to you. So God help us and we'll give you all the praise and the honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So I want to go back and I want to take a look at these verses, uh, 17 all the way down through verse 22. And then I want to come back to verse 17 and 18 and we'll uh, just make some thoughts about that and some application and then we'll uh, break for lunch. How's, how's that? Would <laughs> that be okay if we, if we did that? So let's go. Okay, just one of you. <laughs> so I can preach all the way through tonight then, right? Nope. I remember when we were in Cassville and your pastor was pastor there, uh, Kathy and I had just been married just I think a few m- months. And, and so Ms. Kathy uh, was at Calvary Baptist Church and Uphala spent there the last eight, nine, ten years, whatever it was. And so Brother J.R. had always got to the point that when he would end his message and he would say, and finally or lastly, the people would just say amen, not out of disrespect, but that's kind of what he taught them to do. And so whenever uh, I would preach and I'd say, and finally or lastly, she would always say amen with everybody else. So we get, get to Cassville and I think I'm preaching your Thanksgiving service or something like that and, and uh, just preaching away, you know, and the spirit of God is in the building. And, and then I said, and finally, and everyone else was quiet. Miss Kathy went, Amen. So not that I didn't uh, take advantage of that situation. I, I did, and I just stopped and looked at her. Really? Are you, are, you, are you ready for me to be done? And then, of course, she was all shades of red, and Miss Natalie said, you know she's going to divorce you after this, right? So. Verse 17, let's, let's get serious here. Verse 17, and, 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 and it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not to the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, Let us the people repent, when they see war they return to Egypt. So before we get to verse eighteen, I want to make some interesting comments here about uh, this verse really before we get on to verse number eighteen. It would have been easy, it would have been easier really uh, for the Israelites to think that the way of the Philistines was a way to go, because it was a good way, and it was the easy way. Uh, It was easy roads. It was really the shortest. It was a trade route. So on their way to God's uh, chosen land, they could buy food and water along the way. So it just makes sense that that's the way that we should go. It's the shortest way. But God anticipated what was just around the corner, just over the hill. And God says, I'm not going to let you go that way. I'm going to take you a different way. And in the same way, God will never allow us to face more than what we are able to bear. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, there have no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. So don't feel like you're the only one going through issues and problems in your life. We've all faced something some way or another. It says, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So I look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 as that holding the ice cream bucket uh, theology or philosophy, if I can put it that way. You all know what homemade ice cream is. You've made homemade ice cream. I don't know, some of you probably haven't now that you've got Brahms and all these other things. When I grew up, we had an ice cream bucket and we, my mom y- used to put all these ingredients together and put the ice in and back then it was one of these. It's kind of like you know trying to explain that to young people today. It's like the same thing as explaining eight tracks and cassettes. They don't have a clue what in the world you're talking. Eight track? What is an eight track? What is a cassette? So anyway, that's just, let the good times roll with eight tracks. And so you went from this and then you went to the one that you plugged in. I like the one that was plugged in because I was the one that always used to have to do this. And so you get going because you want that ice cream. And after a while, it's just like. (laughs) It's kind of like your preacher when I had all that scuba gear on him and had him walk had him walk down there. But that's that hole in the ice cream bucket is there because you don't want salt water when that water melts and you put salt in it to lower the temperature. So you don't want that salt water to get in your ice cream. I don't know about you, but I like good sweet ice cream. And so there's a hole in that bucket. And so 1 Corinthians 10, 13 talks about the same thing, that God's not gonna allow something to happen to you that you're not ready for. And God will make away with whatever that is. God will make a way with that so you can handle that so you can get through it. So the children of Israel are, are the same way. G. Campbell Morgan said this. He said, the nation delivered and consecrated as seen at once as under the direct government and guidance of God. So what G. Campbell Morgan was saying, the children of Israel, after they had seen all 10 of these plagues and they had watched God do miraculous things, they had seen that and they said, we wanna be a part of that. We wanna be under that. We wanna be under God's leadership and guidance. And so verse number 17, and it came to pass when Pharaoh let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, for God said, let's peradventure the people repent when they see war and return to Egypt, verse 18. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harness out of the land of Egypt. Now that word harness is a very, very interesting word. We would think The word harness means all crammed up, uh, all all bundled up, all wrapped up. We would think that that's what it meant, but actually the word simply means able-bodied soldiers. They were soldiers that when they had left Egypt had gotten some military hardware, and so they were ready to go. They were ready to fight. But God says, I'm not going to take you that way, but I'm going to take you through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea and the children went up harness out of the land of Egypt. So they were armed and probably armed to the teeth. They were ready to go. And although they were armed and able-bodied soldiers, God knew that they were not ready to fight the battle, especially in the land of the Philistines. God knew what was uh, able to take place in the land of Philistines. And God says, Look, even though you're, you're well-able-bodied men, you're armed and you're ready to go, I'm not going to take you that way because you're gonna see some things that will scare you to death and you will run back to Egypt. I don't want you to go that way, so I'm gonna take you through a hard path. I'm gonna take you through a longer path. And you just need to trust me. You just need to let me lead you and guide you. And here's where the problem comes in when we are in our comfort zone. Well, I don't like that idea. My parents... My dad, I used to think my dad was the most cruelest man on the face of the earth. When I was a teenager, I was grounded more to my yard than I was free. <laughs> so I understood all of that. I did. I just, I, just, I just knew that when June 1st came around, it wasn't going to be very long, because I didn't do anything to deserve to be grounded. Oh, no, no, not, not, not Ken. I was, uh, and so I just figured that there was something that my dad was going to get mad about, and he was going to ground me for the entire summer. Now, some of you are laughing. Have been there and done that, and the rest of you needed to go through that. And so I I would do stuff, and you know I'd I'd get in trouble, and then my dad would ask me. He said, "You know what? Why did you do that?" And and my answer was always, "I don't know." You know that's a lie, because I did what I did because I wanted to do it. And like I said earlier, we're not a product of our circumstances. We're products of our choices. John Wayne said it best, life is hard. It's harder if you're stupid. Right. And I just grew up stupid. I just did, but, it, but then I started having children of my own and uh, my children would also get grounded and they would, they would ask, well, my dad is the most meanest man in the world, but it was not until I had kids of my own that I realized my dad didn't ground me because he was just an old, old crotchety grouchy old man. My dad grounded me because he loved me enough that he didn't want me to go through the stuff that he went through. And the same thing with my kids. I had rules and regulations for my kids. And when you broke those rules, you got punished. Anybody in here in school ever get a whooping? See, those of you that didn't raise your hand, you need to be whooped. But back then, we didn't call it whooping. We called it beatings. Man, my dad gave me a beating tonight. But it's not, uh, it's not defined in how the world defines getting a beat. We just, uh, back then in my day, uh, our teachers had permission to whoop us. And would get a switchin' or a ruler, a yardstick, not like the little flimsy yardsticks they have today. I mean, these were made out of oak. <laughs> and they were an inch by an inch thick, you know. And our teachers had permission to whoop us. And then they'd take us to the principal's office. And the principal would give us a whooping. And then the most horrible thing that ever happened in my life, uh, uh, brother, was that the principal was good friends with my dad, (laughs) along with the school bus driver. And then our family always had supper together at night. We all sat around the table. We didn't sit there and do this. We had a conversation. And usually when I got a beating at school from the teacher and the principal, there wasn't much conversation coming out of my mouth because I knew what phone call was going to happen about 5.15. And it would always happen. And if it didn't happen at 5.15, it happened at 5.17 or 5.18. And my dad would answer the phone. And then he would say, well, hello, Mr. So-and-so. And then I knew that my life was quickly coming to an end. And my dad would say, I'll take care of it after supper. You know what I never heard my dad say? Oh, little Kent would never do anything like that. Because my dad knew what little Kent was able to do. Come on now. Some of you need to go out and give yourself a beating right now. But I'm telling you, just, you, know, just get to the point where we think we've got things all figured out in our life. We don't need instruction. We don't need wisdom. And that's the problem that Rehoboam had because Solomon wrote him that book of Proverbs and said you need to listen to the wisdom of your father. Don't forsake the wisdom of your mother. But Rehoboam just kind of threw everything back and says, I've got life figured out. And the children of Israel, are, and I'm just kind of surprised that they went ahead and did what God wanted them to do. Why? Because they watched God work. They watched God. Now look at verse 19. Now Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones away hence with you. And they took their journey from Succoth and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. Now, you kind of say, okay, I don't really understand why that part of that passage of Scripture... It's in there because it really doesn't fit with everything else. Sure it does. Because all scripture fits together. And it talks about things to come. Uh, Right? And so, uh, you know, what did they do? Well, they, you know, uh, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him when they left. Why? Because Joseph had had said in uh, Genesis chapter 50, and and Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones away hence or from hence. So, what's the importance of that? 430 years after Joseph said that. Uh So, you can just hear the fathers in the generation after Joseph died when they said, Look, God's going to visit us. And when God visits us, we're supposed to carry Joseph's bones out. When you can just imagine, after several generations have gone by, and the fathers are telling their children that Moses, or that uh, uh, Joseph had uh, commanded that his bones be taken out. And I can just hear them. I can just hear the children saying, Dad, we've gone through 200 years since all of this has taken place. When is God going to visit us? Don't worry, son. God will visit us because God said that he's going to visit us. And just after a while, you just get to the point, when is this going to happen? And the same thing happens today. So hold your hold your place here. Go to 2 Peter chapter number 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Notice verse 1. The second epistle beloved I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. You've got to remember what God said. That you may be mindful, verse 2, of the words which are spoken for the of the holy prophets, and of the commandments of us, the apostles of our Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. Can you just imagine the 120 years Noah's building that ark? Everybody's going to say, when's it supposed to rain? It's not up to you to figure out when it's supposed to rain. It's for you to prepare to get on the ark. Verse 5, for this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished, just like God said. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. I love Verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering uh, to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repent. Can I just stop right here and say, you cannot read your Bible and become an atheist. You cannot read your Bible and become a Calvinist, because it's right there. For The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to, to uh, usward, and not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Watch this. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that thereon shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conversation and godliness? So it's going to happen. It happened 430 years after Joseph said, Get rid of my bones, take, take my bones with you that it actually happened because the Bible tells us, and Moses took the bones of Joseph. Right. So it did come to pass, just like God had said. Now, back in our, in our text here in Exodus chapter 13, verse 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and night, and took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people, this just amazes me that God gave them light. That God gave them fire. A pillar of fire to lead them by night and a pillar of cloud to lead them by day. That's just amazing. The ungodliness of the children of Israel. God never took that away. That is just, all right, okay, let's, let's, let's finish. Back up to verse 17. This, this is where I told you, it's kind of where the message starts. That was all introduction. It came to pass when Pharaoh let the people go, God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that way was near, or that was near. For God said, let's peradventure the people repent when they see war, and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up us out of the land of Egypt. So God didn't take them the easiest route. God led them through the rough way. Why? Three things, really. Number one, if they had gone the way that was easiest, even though they were armed, well-able-bodied men, they would have experienced something that would have scared them senseless and they would have gone right back to Egypt. Don't gripe and complain next time God makes your way a little hard because God knows that if you continue going your way, you won't be able to handle it. And you'll leave him, you'll leave his word, you'll leave his work. Yes, I've seen it happen. Right, I just don't understand why God is allowing this to happen. Well, you may not know because Deuteronomy 29, 20 says, secret things belongeth unto the Lord. So you don't know where you're supposed to go. You don't, know what you're, you don't know what's right across the street. You don't know what's right around the corner. But God does. God may take you on a detour through life. Well, I don't understand why he's doing that. Secondly, they wouldn't have had those two pillars to lead them and guide them. See, here's the importance of incorporating God's word in your life. You've got to know what he says. No, you've got to know what he says. Read it. Read it daily. Know what he says. Because when we pray, we talk to him. When we read his word, he speaks to us. And we've got to know what he says. And sometimes God makes it dark. We don't understand where we're going. We just have to trust him. Sometimes you say, well, I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's there. And, you know, when you're on that train and you go through that tunnel, it's completely dark. You don't know where you're going, but the engineer does. God knows. And then number three, God really does know what he's doing with your life. You may not have a clue, but God does. And we got to trust him that he knows just what's around the bend. We have to have that kind of relationship with God that he has our ear. We have to. And we don't really need to see the light. at the. And a matter of fact, uh, we don't even need a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. Because we have the Holy Spirit that lives within us and leads us and guides us. So, what do we do when we find ourselves like the prodigal son? Well, he came to his senses and went back to his dad. I'm sure that you all know David Gibbs, Dr. David Gibbs. And he tells this story. I don't know whether you've heard this story before when... He was in Alaska and he was preaching a series of meetings and he had to go to Anchorage, Alaska. And he was there with another preacher. Well, the preacher that was there was a pilot and evidently he was a bush pilot or something. And so Dr. Gibbs and this other preacher needed to go to Anchorage. And so they were getting ready to buy some commercial airline tickets to fly to Anchorage. And this other preacher said, "Ah, Dr. Gibbs, don't, don't waste your money. I'm a pilot and I can fly you there. And Dr. Gibbs said, I don't really like smaller planes. And he said, I was, no, that's okay. I'm just going to go ahead and fly commercial. And this other preacher said, no, really, I can fly. And this other preacher that was with Dr. Gibbs says, let's just take this. It's cheaper. Just let him fly. So we'll be able to see all of these great things and everything. So Dr. Gibbs said, I went against my better judgment. I got on this airplane in the co-pilot seat. He said, everything was great until we got in the clouds and then the pilot passed out. Dr. Gibbs said, I've never flown a plane in my life. So the guy, the preacher in the backseat, which, you know, backseat preachers always know the best, right? <laughs> Dr. Gibbs, you got to fly this airplane. Dr. Gibbs says, I don't know how to fly an airplane. So the preacher said, Well, get on the radio and start calling Mayday. Dr. Gibbs said he got the handset and started just calling Mayday. He didn't know what channel he was on. He called Mayday, and after a few minutes, this pilot of this 747 freighter got on and said, what's going on? Dr. Gibbs explained to him what had happened. And this pilot of the 747 says, you know, I'm going to give you some information, but you've got to get this right. He said, you've got to leave me and go to air traffic control. Dr. Gibbs said, I don't want to leave you. And this pilot says, you've got to take a step. You've got to take a step of faith you got to leave me and turn it to channel, whatever it was, the channel he told him to. So he turned the channel to ground traffic control in Anchorage and started calling out Mayday. A voice came on the radio and said, we've been waiting for you. Other traffic had told us your situation because they were listening into that. He said, we're actually looking for you right now on radar. He says, I want you to make a left turn and explain to him how to use the pedals and the yoke and all of that. He said, I want you to make a left turn. Now I want you to make a right turn and turn back to the left because we're looking for you. We want to pinpoint you on radar. After a few minutes, the ground traffic control said, you can't see me, but I can see you now. (laughs) And he said this, he said, as long as you follow my voice, I'll get you home. But you got to follow my voice. He said, now I want you to make a right-hand turn. They made a right-hand turn. The ground traffic control said, you didn't know this, but you were a few miles from crashing into a range line. He said, that's why I had you make that turn. He said, I'm going to bring you home, but you can't look out the window. He said, I don't want you flying on your feelings. I want you to listen to my voice. He said, I want you to go up. Now I want you to go down. I want you to go left. I want you to go right. He said, it's, it's, it's going to be rough. He said, the plane's going to shake from time to time, but I'm going to get you there. Dr. Gibbs said, have you ever lost one? He said, I haven't lost any of them that's listened to me. You got to Listen. He said, you've cleared the field, he said, but there's a problem. He said, we got a lot of planes that's up there and they're looking for you. They know where you are and they want to talk to you. So one by one, these pilots would talk to him and saying, Dr. Gibbs, we're praying for you. The tower came on after a few minutes and said, boy, you've got a host that's watching you. <laughs> Two hours goes by and ground traffic control said, you're almost here. He said, we've got you lined up. He said, to get you home, I got to bring you by the cross. And he said, you're going to see some most brilliant cross of lights. He said, you're just a little bit from the cross. Don't look out now. Listen to my voice. Pay attention to my commands. After a few minutes, boom. Plane hit the ground, landed safely. Media was there. A bunch of people were there. And he said, Dr. Gibbs said, and you know the funniest thing? As soon as we hit the ground, that pilot woke up. <laughs> I'd have probably thrown him out of the plane at that point. <laughs> he said, after all the fanfare and, and that, and people congratulating him and other pilots came and congratulating him for a job well done, so it's never happened before here, David Gibbs went to his room this other preacher. He kind of prayed the night away, thanking the Lord for his goodness. Woke up the next morning about 10 o'clock. There was a knock on his door. He said, I don't normally just answer the door of a motel wherever I'm at. I just don't do that. And He said, knock on his door, and the voice said, David. And David said, you're the voice. And he opened the door, and there was ground traffic control. He said, I didn't have an opportunity to talk to you yesterday, but I'm here now. You did a great job. And Dr. Gibbs said, thank you for bringing me home. So here's a message. Just listen to his voice. Right. Those that are in this room that's never trusted Christ, his personal Savior, Jesus said, for God so love the world. All you have to do is invite him into your heart. Because he's calling you today. 1 Corinthians says, today is the accepted day of salvation. Those of you that do know Christ as your personal Savior, you know Him, but you've gotten away from Him. And you've made some decisions based because you didn't listen to Him. You got away from His Word. You got away from the Spirit of God. Wouldn't you agree and say, today's the day I need to start re-listening to Him? Because you don't know that there could be a mountain range tomorrow There could be a mountain range in the next hour. And if you're not, life is not lined up with him and his word, there's gonna be a tragedy in your life. I'm so thankful that the children of Israel said, you know what, that way is is closer, it's easier, it's better, but I think I'm just gonna follow God. And they followed and God gave them that pillar of fire by night, pillar of cloud by day, And as long as they followed that, they knew. oh no, listen, they were a bunch of wild cats. You you ever thought of herding cats? You just can't herd a cat. And that had to be the way the children of Israel were. But as long as they followed God, God directed them through their life. How about you today? Let's stand. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your word. And we thank you.